This is your host, T. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Geek Vibes Nation. Geek Vibes Nation. 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 The Top 10. The Top 10. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me, as always, the amazing Brittany, which kind of sounds like a circus act, so how are you doing this morning, Brittany? <laughs> oh, my God, Tia will totally, like, I just, like, tear me a new one, but the moment the podcast starts, she's like, oh, she's so great and wonderful, <laughs> I see you, girl, I see you. This comes from the Twitcher who uh, talks smack on her uh, streams all the time. <laughs> Twitcher, oh my god. I you told yourself a Twitcher last night, so. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. Um, I was telling them, as a side note, uh, in the stream, you know, I said what people think it's like as a female streamer on Twitch where it's like, oh, my lady, you know, fedoras, you know, simping, you know, all this stuff. I said what it is. And I, somebody, them telling me I had a big ass forehead and that I had a five head instead of a forehead. See, that's just mean. It's like we want to have this like culture where everyone's like nicer to each other. And then we have like, this subculture where it's literally like how like shit how much shit talking can you do and blah 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 and it's like that's not nice that that doesn't progress our society in in any sort of way so I don't like that no one should say that you have a five head I will go fight them <laughs> as someone who as someone who leads the um, five head support group. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I was just like, I said what they really think. I said, y'all are the most toxic, untoxic people I have ever met. And they're like, you you wouldn't change it, right? And I'm like, "Mm, mm, I'm going to, that's going to be a hard pass. Brittany likes to talk smack and be all tough and be like, fight me, you ho, blah, 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 meet you outside. But in reality, in, like, in her, like, core, she's very sensitive. You know, she'll be like, this one person said that this, and it's like, Brittany, that's so small. <laughs> An emotional soul. <laughs> she, she talks a lot of smack for someone who's very soft. But, no, I love you. Um... We've gotten way off track right now, but this is the top 10, and because it is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the moms, the mom figures, grandmas, aunts, and all that, you know, um, I hope that you are all relaxing right now during your quarantine, and go make the man do something for once. No, <laughs> uh, yes, actually, let me not even say no, I'm not going to apologize for that, you you, you make him treat you right today, um, but happy Mother's Day to everyone, I personally had a bit of a uh, scary experience with my mom this week. Um, she was uh, hospitalized for 
a few days out of this week. She's okay. Had nothing to do with COVID-19. Thank God. Um, and she's home now and she is resting. So it may be unlikely that I see her today, but um, happy Mother's Day. Cause I say this with all my heart that she is literally the best mom on the face of the freaking planet. But Brittany, I know, I don't know if your mom listens to this. We know that my mom is like the number one fan or at least maybe the only <laughs> listener, but, uh, do you have anything to say to your mom right now while we're on air? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess she's all right. I mean, she kind of like, you know, gave birth to me. No, I'm just joking. She's the best. She's helped me with everything. I mean, well, first off, she gave me life. So, you know, that's pretty cool. And then on the other, she's also the most ruthless lady I have ever met, and I wish I could embody at least, like, t- 10% of that, <laughs> that that viciousness, that assertiveness. But, no, I what I always love about my mom is that she, uh, you know, she, I always ask mom because she knows how to do everything. I said, uh, how did you learn all this? She goes, I got tired of waiting on your dad. So now I... <laughs> Now I know everything. I'm like, oh, okay. I I, I need some of that, Mom. Uh, you definitely do. No, <laughs> I um, I uh, I really quick story before we move on. I will never forget this because um, I have this friend Claire, right? And I won't say last names, but I have this friend Claire, and we've been friends for quite some time since I worked at a bakery back in, like, oh, God, you know, from, like, 18 to 22, right? So anywhere in that, like, spectrum. And um, when she first started working at the bakery, I didn't really know her. Um, I actually went to school with her brother, um, And so, you know, I didn't really know how she would be or she would be any way like her brother, Um, so there was one shift where the two of us ended up having to work together because at the bakery that I worked at, it was a common thing that people like to walk out literally on other people's shifts because it was just that type of environment. Um, so I got called in because someone like quit during Claire's shift. And so I went in and I'm just standing with Claire, you know, we're not talking to each other or anything. And I remember it was like, a few days before Mother's Day. So me just trying to, like, make small talk. I go, oh, so, Claire, what are you getting your mom for Mother's Day? And without skipping a beat, she goes, well, for this Mother's Day, I figured I'd try not to be such a bitch to her. (laughs) And I was just like, and I remember that was the moment that I was like, I like you. (laughs) We're going to be friends. (laughs) Okay, it's going to be a moment where, you know, like when you make a yo mama joke and they're like, well, my mom's dead. And you're like, oh, okay. So I'm so happy it was that instead. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm so happy. I was like, I could feel my guts tighten. I was like, oh, no. And then just this utter sense of relief when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try to be less of a bitch. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious, um, and I knew that her mother was still alive because, again, I went to school with her brother, so I knew that. <laughs> I don't think I would have asked if it was any other way, but, um, yeah. <laughs> she over from her daughter actually being nice for once. <laughs> 
You know, sometimes that's the greatest gift of all. I definitely know that there was at some point during my teen years where, like, I don't think I had, like, that overly rebellious phase where, like, we didn't get along at all, but I definitely was, like, cranky, Um, you know, because you're like, God, Ma! (laughs) I like that you almost do, like, this uh, Southern Belle accent when you're like, Ma! Like, whenever you're, like, saying stuff like that, I'm like, girl... Girl, come down here. Oh, <laughs> uh, you are like the least southern sounding southerner. And the only way that you know that you're a southerner is because your like experiences and like mindset and outlook is very southern, but your uh like your uh voice and diction is not southern <laughs> you even said yourself that sometimes people will be like oh so where are you from <laughs> you know? and it's like uh from town <laughs> i'm just about to say that because uh there's two brothers that i work with right mm-hmm. um and i you know i've only been at that job for about a month or a little over a month now right and one of them finally stopped he said where are you from and I said, <laughs> Arkansas, and he said, what part of Arkansas, and I said, you know, and I said, uh, he said, I I said, where did you think I was from? He said, I'm from Chicago. He goes, I thought you were from, like, up north. He goes, you don't sound southern, which, of course, I countered with, what the hell are you doing here, you know? I wonder that, too, every time you tell me that a non-Arkansan is in Arkansas. I'm like, what are you doing there? There's nothing there. Um, (laughs) Like, just as a side note, too, before we continue, you know, Florida gets a lot of, like, New York retirees, right? We get a lot of California, like, Californian, like, like, people from California, and I'm like, to me, that To me, that makes no sense because you have California that's very progressive and uh, liberal and very vegan and all that with uh, beaches. And Arkansas, there's no beaches. Uh, Definitely not liberal. Definitely not progressive. And definitely not. And salads are like Arkansans' worst enemy. So I was going to say, uh, I think it's because our climate is mild. We have mild summers and mild winters. So, and it's like a different, uh, we have a lot of like retirement communities, which are like these really nice uh, like towns that are just full of old people. We got old towns, Tia. As far as the weather, it's humid as shit there. Like, I remember one time going there in, like, May or something, and in New York, it was still pretty cold, and I was thinking to myself, oh, it'd be nice to go down to Arkansas. It's going to be obviously warmer there, blah, blah, blah. As soon as we left the airport, it was like the wave of humidity almost choked me. I was like, (laughs) we did not get humidity like that. We had some humid days. It's not bad. Like, lately, it's like the weather is great. But if it sprinkles outside and it's hot, you're like, oh, no. So humid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But let's, uh, I love that. But let's get to the actual list. Um, And, of course, before we do that, I have a message from a friend of the podcast, which I was thinking about. I was like, 
you know, right now is really good, to, like a really good time to catch up on podcasts. Obviously, you should be listening to our podcast first and foremost. But after that, you can check out Stranger Damies, which is the real play D&D podcast from the main Damie family of podcasts. And you can join them every Wednesday as the wild stallions traverse the many traps and tribulations. That is Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Um, there are elves, weird half dragon people, conspiracies to uncover, and of course more references to the 1980s than Ready Player One. Make sure you subscribe to them on all podcast services by searching Stranger Damies, and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Stranger Damies. And, of course, Stranger Damies and the main Damie family are a part of Geek Vibes Nation. You could, of course, follow us at geekvibesnation.com. Um, it's so awesome. I don't know if you listen to their podcast. They call this a movie, but Dan always shouts out the top ten so that's really nice. And he actually, like, keeps up with what we are doing every week because he'll, like, throw that in. He'll be like, oh, this week they did this. And I'm like, that's so nice. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Care about or something. Really quick. I did feel bad. So on Friday, we did a game show, the one that I've been telling you about, Brittany, where we do it over Zoom. And... Um, so Juwan had given us a bunch of, like, he had given us homework, which we all love homework, but he gave us a bunch of, like, questions, and I wrote them all down, right? So he did the first round, and he did the first question, and I was, like, say, the first person, then he went, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. There was, like, about six of us, right? So then the next question, he went out of order with the list. He did, like, number five or something. It threw me off, and then he went, um, he did Will first, who is from Scene and Nerd, another podcast that you should absolutely listen to. And then he did Dan. And so I put in the group chat, I was like, you went out of order. But I didn't mean like the people, I meant like the questions. And Juwan was like, oh, that's because Will and Dan have to leave soon. And Dan's like, oh, I'm so sorry about it. Because they thought I was like saying like, oh, you didn't go to me. And I was like, wow, I feel like such a jerk. Like I would never be like, you didn't go to me first. (laughs) I hate that. Like especially when you're trying to do something through text and like so you're uh, you're what's it? Not affliction. Infliction? Like, the the flexion of your voice, like, can't really, like, uh, show it, so, like, your text is just blunt. Like, my my mom does that. My mom's, like, the most blunt texter, and I'm like, dude, you got to throw some smileys or some shitter in there. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) That's how I feel with Kanan sometimes. So, like, ask a question. I feel like, literally, I have committed a crime because of the way that I like because it's very just like matter of fact and I'm like oh god <laughs> but um <laughs> like stop you criminal scum <laughs> like, oh. exactly um let's kick off this list so I'm gonna do something a little different Brittany because my mom said that I should and it's Mother's Day so I'm gonna listen to my mom and I'm actually going to go first that way, then you can get the number one spot. So this is our top ten uh, best moms in TV and movies. So, you know, whatever. 
And I'm going to start it off my number 10 simply. And it's, it's ironic because this character is someone that a lot of people say reminds them of my mom. And it's going to be Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> because, and I know this is like an anime thing, but I love Bob's Burgers, first of all. I can watch that over and over and over again. And I love Linda Belcher. Um, She is certainly outrageous. She is definitely a character. Um, But in the end, she cares for her kids like nobody's business. She will literally become like Mama Bird and just defend them to the death. Um, I remember, you know, God, what was this one episode where, like, any time it's revealed that someone is, like, talking shit about her kids or something like that. She instantly, like, flies off the handle. Like, she will not take that at all. Even though, like, her kids can definitely be little Cretans, she absolutely loves them. Um, She supports Tina. Like, that's the thing. All her kids are so, like, unique, but she supports them. Like, she supports Tina in how strange she is. Um, Gene as, you know, his, like, music career and, you know, not career, but, like, his, you know, he loves to play on that keyboard, right? And he's always saying, like, I'm a girl, you know, and you never hear her say, like, anything, like, against that, right? Like, if Gene wants to go wax his legs, she's in support of it. If Gene wants to do this, she's in support of it. And even Louise, as, like, crazy as she can be, she still tries to find a way to, you know, be that close to Louise, even if, say, they're so different and Louise isn't, say, a mommy's girl. I just love Linda. Like, I feel that every episode is such a, like, example of how amazing of a mother she is. Like, really quick before I pass it to you, like, I remember this one episode, which was they were doing, like, a turkey race instead of sitting at home waiting for Bob to make the turkey. And these, like, wild, these wild turkeys, like, took over the freaking town, and her kids were stuck on this ride. And she, like, would, she, like, trekked all these freaking turkeys that were trying to attack them, because she was like, I need to get back to my babies, and I need to save them. And I'm like, I just love this mother, like, so much. Um, So I think Linda is a great example of a good TV mom, and I felt that, why not start the list with her? So, Brittany, what do you think about Linda Belcher? <laughs> I was going to say, it was so funny, because, like, she was on my list, too, but I was oh, like, no. I know. No, no, it's okay, because I was like, she reminds me so much of your mom. Like, that's the best <laughs> way. In the best way. Because, you got to imagine, also for me, like, I you know, I had never really been out of the South. Like, being in the North was, for the first time was with you. And, like, hearing, like, the way that people talk, like, was so, like, new and foreign to me. I was like, this is great. And I get that kind of feel from her, <laughs> from uh, from Linda Belcher. I'm like, I love it. I love it. Uh, what episode I really remember that really stuck out to me is where, you know, say Louise isn't such a a mommy's girl. And, like, I was thinking about how much 
she cared to want her daughter to like her and to just want to feel like she had that mother-daughter connection with her and trying to, like, form that with her. I don't know why that episode made me so sad. I'm glad it had a happy ending. But I was just thinking about, like, oh, it's kind of like whenever uh, babies are little, and they only say, like, dad, and they won't say mom, or, like, vice versa. And you're like, just say it. You're breaking your mama's heart. Just oh, is it. that the one? Is that the one where she tried to take Louise to that, like, mommy workshop yeah. that was, like, yeah. that was held by a dude? And I, oh, I, I know what you're talking about, because I remember at some point where Linda is like, I just wish you liked me. And I was like, <laughs> I want to die. <laughs> I know. I was so sad. And didn't, like, finally Louise feel like, oh, you know, I, of course I like you. I just like Dad better. Yeah, no, I think, like, Louise, like, made it, like, you know, I still love you. Like, you're my mom. It's okay that we don't spend, like, say, the time that you and Tina do. Like, that doesn't mean, like, I love you any less. It's kind of like, you know, let's just stop trying to be fit into, like, a mold or something, you know? I mean, definitely, like, Linda has to learn her boundaries because there was one episode where she felt like she was losing Tina when Tina was, like, making friends and she was, like, grasping on too hard, which was, like, pushing Tina away, like, further. And they had, like, you know, obviously a very good moment at the end. But I think that was, like, supposed to symbolize, obviously, what probably most moms go through, you know, feeling like, say, their daughter is, like, their, you know, their best friends, they hang out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the daughter reaches an age where they want to hang out with their own friends. And it's like, oh, God, you know, I'm losing them. It's like, you're not losing them. It's just that's just natural progression. I know, it's kind of like my dad, speaking of that, kind of like, it's with my dad, it was like, I was such a daddy's girl, like, such a daddy's girl, such a daddy's girl, and then, like, you know, when he started, he worked at a power plant, well, a nuclear plant, and so he would work really long hours, so, you know, mom was the one that did everything, and I can remember, even now, my dad's like, I just want you to be a daddy's girl again. Why can't you just be a daddy's girl? I'm like, Dad, it's okay. It's okay. I can be both. <laughs> and parents are like, no, you can't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you can only choose one. I, I feel like that's how Linda feels sometimes. But I, I'm happy that it was on both our lists just to prove how much Linda is amazing. Um what is your number nine, Brittany? I'm going to go with, even though it's, like, controversial at this point uh, because of what happened later on, it's still, like, okay, this is a case of separating the uh, art from the artist, but I really mm-hmm. like Roseanne growing up. Like, to me, she was such a great mom. Like, I don't know, did you watch Roseanne growing up? I used to love watching Roseanne, and I hated that everything did end up happening with Roseanne in real life because it kind of ruined it for me. But, no, I completely understand what you mean. To me, it was like, it's been so long since I've seen Roseanne, but I remember she was such, like, like, first off, her and, uh, what was his name, Dan? Like, her husband's name. I'm trying to think of what it was. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what was, God, it's been so long. And I know I'm just kind of like pulling this, but it was because when I was sitting there, I was like, what moms did I love growing up? Roseanne, you know, she had her big family. She could be fierce. She could be loud. She could be, you know, all these things and above. But she ultimately was always a good mother and would always like, you know, those hard lessons, you know, when her daughter got pregnant, you know, watching the kids grow up with each other. And her and Dan's, like, loving relationship together was, like, goals. Because, like, even though, like, she was loud and boisterous, you know, he was, like, always there for her, which I, I could add him as one of the greatest dads, too. But, uh... I don't know. I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it on this one, Tia. It was just that she was such a fun mom, and I always remembered, you know, even in connection with my own mother, that was something that we would do so constantly is Roseanne would play in the mornings while I was getting ready for school, and me and mom would watch it together and just watch it and laugh and going, you know, oh, yeah, Roseanne's so ridiculous, but, like, in a great way. And that's why it's hard seeing that be you know, kind of tarnished throughout the years because of everything that happened. Because sometimes people put their, like, foot in their mouth, right? But she shook the whole leg in her mouth. (laughs) Some things you can play off and go, okay, well, maybe they didn't quite mean it that way, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's not one that can be played off very easy to you. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Like, when they did the reboot and, not reboot, the revival and brought her back, you know, it's like, oh, great, Roseanne. And then it just, like, it went so far south, like, so quickly. (laughs) And it was like, oh, God, what are you doing, Roseanne? Please stop. Um, Yeah, no, she she put both feet in her mouth. Um, And it did definitely, for me, ruin it a little, like, I don't think I could go back and say rewatch Roseanne, which sucks. But as far as the original run goes, no, I I agree. I think what it was is that um, it was, you know, like Roseanne and her family say, I don't think fit like the typical mold of what, say, sitcom families were at the time. Like, Roseanne was very cranky and cantankerous and the way she spoke with her kids, you know, was not what you thought, you know, that like TV mom should because, you know, you're used to like freaking like what what was it married with children or, you know, this, this and that like you're not like the dink. OK, right. Every sitcom, the wife was this dainty little woman, you know, and maybe she was a little snappy, but she was, you know, fit and pretty and proper, huh? And the ditzy one, the homemaker, the one that didn't go. Yeah, no, I was going to agree with that. It's kind of like, since this is on my list, but, you know, like the Brady Bunch, like the mom's always the beautiful homemaker wife, you know, just all these things, which, you know, that's fine and dandy, but it was like, Roseanne was very like, you know, she was the smart one. She was the loud one. She was the angry one. She definitely wasn't no dainty flower. Exactly. And even, and I'm saying this because that is something that was actually said in an episode, so I'm not just saying this. She was, I think she even called them, like, either rednecks or, like, white trash or something, you know? But it wasn't, like, 
you know, that she like owned it almost. Um, like that was their family and that was fine. You know, her and Dan, you know, their relationship was great. Like that. Okay. That is the thing that kills me with the revival. Cause if you go back and watch Roseanne, it was like progressive for its time. Roseanne did not judge based on like, you know, color, sexual orientation, like, anything. Like, it was, like, fairly, like, liberal, right? Um, And then for, you have the revival, and suddenly she's, like, a right-wing, you know, frickin' Trump supporter, and you're like, what happened here? (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) I think what's hard is, like, when... You know, a lot of things normally play towards and biasness, right? And if they do bring in politics, it's like a funny, um, almost like, oh, what's the word for it? Like a playful rivalry, like say of like King of the Hill, you know, yeah. with uh, Hank Hill. Yeah, you go, okay, you know, he would be a certain way because, and he even has those moments where he doesn't understand stuff because that's part of his character. But to kind of shoehorn that in into a revival instead of, like, you know, everything else, I don't know, it gets a little weird. Well, also, I mean, right as Roseanne came out, it's like that's when everything I feel like was at the beginning. Like, I think what Trump had just been elected, you know, tensions were insanely high. This was definitely during that time. So to have that and have that in Roseanne, like, that very much was like stoking the fire and it's like for what what did you need to stoke the fire for you know like we loved Roseanne growing up and now this but I have to say really quick I loved King of the Hill um the theme song was my ringtone forever (laughs) everybody always tells me that they're like your dad reminds me of Hank Hill (laughs) and they're like like, that makes Trenton Bobby then and I'm perfectly good with that wait does that mean that you're Luann I, I did go. To, I did get my cosmetology license, and I think that's what she did. I think that's what she did in the show. And she was always running off with boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the podcast? Your butt better be ready. <laughs> um, really quick. You know me. I love watching episodes of Cops and Live PD. We were watching one, and the guy, some guy, sounded like Boomhauer. I was like, "This is the guy." It's like, "Ever talk like this?" It's like, is there like two different like speeds in the sound? It's like either they talk like. You know, we got all the time in the world. And then it's like... <laughs> it's that in, like, having traveled around, like, the southern states a lot, to me, that, like, even though it's Texas, right, that's uh-huh. more of, like, a Louisiana thing. Like, because, like, there's a... Because the guy reminded me of it, even though he, he was born towards... Uh, Kind of like uh, Mississippi, Missouri. I think it's Mississippi. I'm trying to remember. They, they kind of like slur all their words together, like where it's very clear. Because cause t- 
I was talking to a guy and he said, "Oh, go go on over there, over there, over there, <laughs> over there." And so it became one word, right? It became one word, and so you you form a whole sentence where two words are becoming one word. You can get a lot of words out of your mouth in a hurry, to you. Wait, I think that's what I watched. I don't think it was Live PD or Cops. I think it was an episode of Swamp Thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was probably it then. I am telling you, I hear it more like, like, and I'm talking about like Swamp, Louisiana. I'm not talking about Louisiana close to Arkansas and all that. I'm talking about Swamp, Louisiana. I'm talking about New Orleans. <laughs> oh man, I loved Kick of the Hill, but... um. Either way, Brittany, great choice for number nine, Roseanne. I'm going to hit number eight, and um, this character is, I like, in the name, it is, okay, she may not be a quote-unquote mom, but she's a mom, okay? She's the only mom. Uh, Aunt May. I am putting Aunt May down. All right. I know that aunt is literally in the word, but Mother's Day isn't just for biological mothers. It is for adoptive parents, motherly figures. And to me, Aunt May is the only mom that Peter has had. Like, that's what has been shown to us, right? In any movie, do you ever see a mom? You know, you see Aunt May. Aunt May raised Peter. So it's like, I'm putting Aunt May. And Aunt May in, like, any Spider-Man medium is, like, the purest. Um, You know, obviously, so in the original trilogy with Tobey Maguire, she was much older. So she was almost like a grandma, (laughs) even though she was an aunt. Um, Yeah, definitely odd. Yeah. Um, I never watched The Amazing Spider-Man, but I know that you know, that aunt was more like, say, middle-aged. And then, of course, we have Tom Holland, Spider-Man, who has, like, the babe, Aunt May. But she is (laughs) the hot aunt. But Aunt May is, like, she loves Peter, right? She gives Peter, you know, pep talks. She cares for Peter. She is with him, like, 100% of the way whenever, like, he needs help um, in Far From Home now that she, like, knows everything about, you know, Spider-Man being Peter Parker. She is in full support of him. She, like, it's so funny because you would think, you know, that they'd be like, no, don't do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, my boy is, you know, a, a superhero. So it's even to the point where he wants to go to frickin' uh, Europe and doesn't want to take his Spider-Man outfit because he's doesn't want to be a superhero. He just wants to be a normal teenager. She frickin', like, packs his Spider-Man outfit in the suitcase to take with him, you know? It's like, she is just, like, all around, like, wholesome. I love Aunt May. Um, and even in, if you watch the animated movie Into the Spider-Verse, Aunt May was kind of, like, a badass in that. It's that, like, she knew about Peter Parker, and she had, like, an arsenal of freaking, like, weapons and tech and shit. Like, I don't know. Um, I just love Aunt May, and I think that she definitely deserves credit for being, like, the best mom that Peter Parker could have asked for, and just being a really great, like, symbol uh, for, say, you know, motherly figures. So definitely Aunt May is going to be my number eight. See, and that what Gate what I love so much is that with Aunt May, 
in all these different series is that it's always hidden from Aunt May, always hidden from Aunt May. Okay, I, this is how I'm going to, like, have a way of, like, relating it to this, right? Mm-hmm. If there was a game I was playing, and you save up souls, which is, like, money, but if you die, all those souls get dropped in the area, and you have to race to get back to it before you lose all of them. And when because if you die again, you lose all of them. So, there's such a stress to get there, but then when you lose them, there's almost like a relief, right? A relief that, hey, I don't have to worry about getting those back now. You know, it's fine. I can re-get them back. So, with Aunt May not knowing, there's always that stress of, oh, she can't know. She can't know. She can't know. She can't know. And always, like, this anxiety to it. But then that, I felt like such a relief when Aunt May figured it out. Because it felt like it wasn't the centerpiece of the movies anymore. I, you know, if that makes sense. Like, you don't have to, like, worry about, like, oh, can't go out too late. And May's going to realize, oh, she's going to be disappointed. But it was nice that she was accepting of it. She tried, and she didn't try to make him stop. She wanted him to be safe. But like you said, you know, she packed up the, the suit because she's like, well, maybe you'll need it. Maybe you'll need it. And I just thought that was such, like, like she's so good and supportive, which also we love happy. Or what was it, the butcher that um, was, like, talking about how hot his aunt was? And he, like, <laughs> the same language, and he's like, how's your daughter or something? Um, yes, that was, no, it was, um, <laughs> it was, like, the bodega uh, attendant. He was like, how's your aunt? And he's like, how's your daughter? And he's just like, that's not funny. Um, but, no, I mean, I, to me, it's like Aunt May, say, packing Peter's out uh, costume was like, a mother knows best, right? You know, Peter may sit there and say that he doesn't want to bring it with him because he wants to be just a simple teenager, but Aunt May knowing that you're not just a simple teenager and things do follow, and even if they don't follow, if you're there, you're not going to just sit around and just let it happen. You're going to want to step in, so you might as well have it with you. Yeah, I agree. I just love Aunt May. And yes, I 100% loved Aunt May and Happy together. I I was so sad at the end of the movie where Peter's like, okay, we need to talk about this because clearly something's going on. And Happy's like, I love her. And Aunt May's like, it was just a summer fling. And Happy's like, what? Uh, it made me sad because I was like, is she just playing it off? Or is she like, or like, or like I just I want Happy to be happy. Tia. That's all I want. Is that too much to ask for? I know. Apparently. Apparently. What'd you say? He lost Tony. He needs something in his life. Which really quick, I feel like I've said this before, but I want to say it again. Um, the actress who plays Aunt May, Marissa Tomei, was suggested for that role by Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. and Marissa Tomei had dated for, like, a little while back in the 90s. <laughs> Are you telling me that? Didn't they say it was, like, because of the drugs that they didn't stay together? That was Sarah Jessica Parker's reasoning. Oh, okay. because. Because they were together for, like, eight years. Like, they had a pretty long-lasting relationship. Um, oh. But they had broken up, like, mutually 
because of his drug addiction. I don't, I'm sure, you know, I, I hate to say this because I'm not, you know, like making assumptions. I'm sure that's probably like part of the reason why he and Marissa Tomei broke up um, because that was probably right around the same time. Uh, not the same time, you know what I mean? Like around, you know, his like bad boy phase, but um it's good that they are friends enough for him to be like hey i suggest you know this this woman who's my ex but for her to have this part in this universe oh that kind of makes me happy now all i think of is happy with happy so (laughs) happiness is a social construct Oh my god. But yeah, so Aunt May is going to be my number eight. Brittany, what is your number seven? Let me look. I'm gonna, I'm torn between two of them. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get this one out of the way because I loved her whenever... Okay, did you ever watch The Blind Side? Mm, is that the one with uh, Sandra Bullock? Yes. Yes, and she she adopts the guy who's, like, a teenager or something at that point, right? But, like, kind of becomes, like, a mom to him. And he's homeless. Yes, yes. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. Her name was Leanne Tui, I think is how you said her name. And just, like, that fierce protectiveness that she had over him and how much she looked like she like even says she's like i am a mama bear do not mess with me (laughs) that she had that even the men in that movie feared her it was just i love that like first off what i I love with that movie is it did touch upon like you know them wanting to make sure that the reason that they weren't adopting this child was because, oh, his athletic prowess, you know, to make sure he wasn't being used because it does look bad, right? It looks yeah. bad when they're like, oh, yeah, you have a football uh, basic legend, but you want to adopt him. So, and you don't want to, like, make him play for your favorite football team, right? Yeah. And it did touch on those hard things, but it's just, like, the way that, like, Leanne Tui was, like, so so calm with them like there's even at some point i think he runs off i'm trying to remember everybody's name i've actually forgot her name i had to look it up even though i've seen the blind side like 50 million times because they always played it at school um i don't know why i think because it was like as pg as pg could get but also teaching hard lessons you know i think when he runs off and she's like trying to find him and she ends up going into a really bad neighborhood you know you know a drug related neighborhood to try to find him like i think it's that you know mothers come from all places it's kind of like the ant thing right we have to think about like the adopted mothers that um go out of their way to even though the child's not biologically theirs they go out of their way to just want to take them in and be their mother. Because she already had, um, I think she had a daughter and son already. And uh, and then they end up, like, having that car accident. And instead of just being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did this. You put my son in danger. She's like, I'm okay. I'm happy that both my sons are okay. And I think to have, like, just that pure unselfishness and for it to also be based on a true story, I was like, man, this is like, I don't know, it's like, makes you want to cry, because it's just like, oh, they're just, it's sweet. 
don't know if I'm making sense. You get what I'm talking about. Well, I was going to say, I remember watching The Blonde Side, like, years ago, right? And obviously, um, let's just get this out of the way, you know, the guy, what is his name, Ant- Anton, I think, right? Let me look it up. Hang on. Hang on. Um, mm, oh, God, there's, like, so much here. Can I, like, actually get the cast list, please? Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, so it was Quinton Aaron as Michael Orr. I don't know if I'm saying that yeah. correctly. So My- Michael, right? And Michael's African-American. Sandra Bullock and her family are Caucasian. And so obviously when she adopts him, like, they're getting looks. And I think she has to deal with that. But she's very, as you said, she's, like, fierce. She's, like, does not take shit at all. And I remember the one of my actually my favorite part is the car crash scene because you find out afterwards like that he had put his because they found like what burn marks on his arm because he had literally because he put his arm out to protect the younger son while they were crashing and like that showing Sandra Bullock's character like that he has that instinctive, you know, caring about the other son to, you know, put his arm out to make sure that he's okay. Because that, like, first of all, that's such a mom thing to do, all right? Anytime as a kid, if we were driving and, you know, my mom had to stop short or some asshole came out, arm instantly goes out. And it's like, that is such a mom thing. I found myself doing that one time to somebody, and they just gave me that look, like, really? And I'm like, I can't help it when you get so used to it. But, you know, I remember, I think there is one scene, too, and I I don't know if I'm just summing this out of, like, make-believe, but I'm pretty sure, because this was one of my favorites, was there's a scene, so she has a teenage daughter, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And some of, like, uh, Miss Tui's, uh, you know, quote-unquote friends are like, oh, don't, do you trust him in the house with your teenage daughter? Like, you know, implying like, oh, uh, yeah, 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 and how angry she got because it was such a racially charged question that yeah. didn't have to do with, oh, he's just a teenage boy. It's like, oh, do you trust him in your home with your teenage daughter? I was like, that's pretty disgusting. But yeah. it's just that she was so fierce to be like, because I think it happens that like they're having like brunch or something, and I think she ends up leaving because it makes her so mad. Yeah, and that I, I do remember that as well. Like Sandra Bullock's character did not take take any crap. Like she did not put up with any bullshit that anyone wanted to make about him. And I really like appreciated that. Um, that was a really good movie. That was another like sports movie that I'm not even into football. Like I couldn't even tell you like anything about football, but I liked that movie just because I feel like like sports movies are so inspirational, like low key or even high key. Yeah, right. so, like I'm not even a football person, but I end up liking football movies. Like remember the Titans? Probably one of the best like football movies ever. Tries not to cry, cries a lot. Did you ever watch Remember the Titans? I think I did, but some of the football movies started to blend in for me, Tia. 
Well, Denzel Washington's in it. That's all you need to know. Okay, I think I know which one you're talking about now. I can't fully remember it, but I remember it. Well, it was a great freaking, um, it was a great freaking movie. Just saying. But, um, (laughs) yeah, I, now I feel, okay, now I feel like I have to go back and rewatch The Blind Side. It's on Hulu. Um, it's been a while since someone has brought this movie up, but I think that it is a great, um, pick here to put, uh, what was it? Lee Ann, right? Sandra Bullock's character. Which one? Say it again. Uh, Sandra Bullock's character name was Leanne. Yeah, Leanne Tui. Okay. Uh, great pick. I'm going to hit the number uh, six here, and I'm going to pick one of my personal faves. Hang on one second. I need to, like, actually make sure that I'm saying, like, the name right. You know, I I had like a doubt in my head and I didn't want to come out here and say anything and it be that I was wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That was just embarrassing. No, what did you say? I said we both know you hate being wrong, so. It takes one to know one. Um, But yeah, so it is going to be Joyce Byers and that is Winona Ryder's character in Stranger Things. I think that she definitely deserves to be on this list of um, top 10 best moms because, first of all, she is a single parent raising two sons and doing the, like, damnness that she can. Um, She's working at, like, you find out in Stranger Things, she's working at, like, what, some rinky-dinky little drugstore in order to make sure that she can at least maintain a household for her two sons. And because it's Stranger Things, things are obviously a little in the supernatural realm. In the very first episode of the very first season, her son Will goes missing. And she, as any mother, would be absolutely distraught. But to me, it's like she, her mother instincts kicked in And when pretty much everyone was, like, doubting her and starting to call her crazy, she didn't care, like, how crazy she looked. She was seeing signs that her son was still alive, trying to communicate with her, and she did not give a shit, right? Um, Because that's, I know that you haven't really watched Stranger Things, but, you know, this whole thing. What? I had watched the first couple of episodes when it first came out, so I, I get what you're talking about. Well, and so, like, the thing is, at some point in the first season, Will starts communicating with her through Christmas lights. And she is, like, sitting, and she even tells, like, Hopper at some point, like, look, Will is alive. I asked him, and, you know, I said, blink, you know, the lights twice, and look, it's blinking, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Joyce, you know... We know that you're distraught. We know that you miss Will, but, you know, this is crazy. And she's like, I don't give a shit if you think it's fucking crazy or not, you know. And then even at some point, um, her son's father returns back and he's like trying to get her to calm down. She's like, what did you even come here for? Like, you're not a dad. You don't freaking, you know, show up for them or anything. And now you're here like, get the hell out. Um, and throughout the entire series, her 
not only just being a great mom for her kids, but also for the other kids that are friends with everyone. She begins becoming, like, even, say, a motherly figure towards Eleven. And she's just, like, I love Joyce. She's, like, the quintessential... She's like a den mother, and she is like the quintessential, like, I may not have my life in order, but I will do anything for my freaking kids. Um, And I just love her. So definitely Joyce Byers for number six. I have to agree with that, which, by the way, side note, you're making me, like, excited for Father's Day so we can do top ten best, like, movies slash TV fathers, because you know Mama (laughs) is going to be on there, girl. Oh, Um, yeah. But, um, no, um, I loved her in it because when I first started watching it, I felt so bad for her because she, she came up as like, oh, this is going to sound bad, but you'll get what I mean. She started the series as kind of a weak, feeble woman, right? Very nervous, very, you know, she's, didn't she have to try to get like an advancement on like her money because she's so broke because she's raising two boys and her son's helping, you know, her eldest son. Oh, yeah, she says, she says at some point during the first season to her boss, like, I need a two weeks advancement. And he's like, oh, I can't do it. She was like, my son is missing. And she's like, and I've worked here for like 10 years and never once have missed a freaking day you're gonna give me my two weeks advance and this phone for free <laughs> and this phone for, oh like wait that's what i love is like she went from being kind of like quiet to she was like fierce like mama fierce she was like i'm making this shit happen or like hopper whenever like he kept like basically avoiding her and she just like let herself into his office because she would not be like you know, it turned away. I was like, okay, she's starting to show it. And through the series was like, uh, oh, what was it, the hospital scene? Like, she shows that she's like, I don't know, she's sticking up for herself, and I like it. Well, like, I'm going to say say two scenes, right? One of them is in the first season when Will first goes missing and she's telling, you know, uh, Hopper about Will missing and he's like, well, you know, would Will be with the father? Because, you know, the father's like still alive. He's just a deadbeat. And yeah. And she's like, no. She's like, you know, he, this, this, and that. He said that, uh, you know, Will was gay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Hopper, like, stops, and he's like, well, is he? And Joyce, like, looks at him, and she's like, what does that matter? Like, and I just love that. Like, her just like, why are we discussing this right now? Like, why is that an important detail right here? Right? Like, come on, Hopper, you know better than that. Well, it was the 80s, not to give it, like, too much excuse, but you know what I mean. And I also love in the third um, season where she kind of, like, she, like, takes over, like, and, like, first of all, is such, like, almost like a den mother to Alexi, um, because she's, like, protect, huh? She's just laughing because Alexi was such a goober. Yeah, but she's so protective of him, even though, like, Hopper is freaking, like, being such an asshole. And her and Hopper, just, like, they're complete, like, back and forth the whole entire third season. Like, Hopper's just like, I'm 100% done, but I also love you. Like, I just love all of that. Wait, (laughs) they haven't had sex? (laughs) Sorry, I'm (laughs) a 
my favorite is there's at some point where, and this is such a mom thing to do. There's at some point where, like, you know, because all secret facilities, Russian bases, aliens, you know, whatever, and Hopper has to make this phone call. And the guy's like, okay, we'll get back to you. And he hangs up, and he's just sitting there, and Joyce is like, that's it? And he's like, yeah, I made the call. He said that he'll get back to us. And she's like, we need help now. Like, what are you doing? Like, why do you not have more? Our kids are in danger. Why are you not, like, more proactive? And she literally picks up the phone, and she's like, I don't care who you are. My kid is missing. And if you, <laughs> like... <laughs> like, what is the government official? And he's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> he was like, you know, this, like, like pretty much, like like area 51 type guy and she was like enough of this shit like you do whatever you have to do to get your ass in gear and hopper's like standing there the whole time like voicing to her like what are you doing and she's just like i'm taking shit into my own hands (laughs) you know what you could say is like since we're on the subject of mother's day and our mothers and stuff i used to um I would never understand, like, when I was younger, like, why mom would get so fierce about things, whether or not it was with restaurants or with, like, being at, like, you know, at stores and not getting somebody to help her, you know, and I never understood until I got older and I was like, nothing happens when you're always, like, so okay with things. Sometimes you've got to use your voice, like, like, um, oh, I, you know, I had issues with that insurance. And they're like, oh, you have to do all this first. And I was like, okay, doesn't make sense. And mom's like, you got to call them back. And I called them back and it's like, use my good voice, right? Not a mean <laughs> voice, my assertive voice. And you know what? I didn't have to do all that shit. They could, it, it felt like that moment with Hopper where it's like, oh, I, what do you mean? That's it, you know? <laughs> And, or, like, the time, I always tell the story, uh, Home Depot, there was this uh, guy that worked there who did not like women. Like, it was just a fact. And Mom was, like, trying to get help with something, but he would only help the men there. And Mom finally lost her shit and said, maybe if I had a fucking penis, you'd help me. And, uh and you know what I helped her (laughs) and he was never uh, mean to her again so subject of the story sometimes you have to use your big girl voice sometimes sometimes you do and that's the only way way to get through to things and I feel like that was with Joyce she wasn't going to just sit back and wait for people to do things just because, oh, she's, you know, the single mom and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, she, every season was like, I'm going to be proactive here and that's how I'm going to get my freaking kids back. And I mean, let's be honest, if she hadn't been that aggressive she probably never would have gotten will back or anything like that she so even though maybe you know she lived in a bit of a rundown house and maybe she was just scraping by with stuff you know but she still loved her kids she loved jonathan she loved will and she would do anything for them and she was protective of them and so um i just love joyce byers and i can't wait for the fourth season of stranger things um Let's move on, Brittany. What is your number five? 
I, I'm like looking at it, and there's somebody I want to put at the top. So you know, like when you're like constantly shifting things around, you're like, yeah. and you're like mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Lois from Malcolm in the Middle, and I I don't think you've seen Malcolm in the Middle, have you? No, I thought at first really quick that you were going to do Lois from Family Guy, and I was like, Brittany, she's a terrible mom. <laughs> <laughs> Can I talk about that for five seconds? I don't like Lois. I don't like Lois. I don't like Lois. I don't like Lois. I Okay, so I mean, back in the middle, there is, you have the dad, played by Brian Cringston. I don't know why I had trouble saying his name, uh, who plays Hal. You have Malcolm, Dewey, and I'm trying to remember the other brother's name. But, so it's a household of men and boys. And basically, the, the kids are awful, right? And her husband's an idiot, but a lovable idiot, right? <laughs> but, yeah, I love Brian Cranston. <laughs> He's so good. But uh, but she is fierce. Take Roseanne, take every, like, angry mother stereotype and put, like, the fear of, like, she put the fear of God in them. But <laughs> the moment, like, in the show where she has to say she's like, you're all boys. I have three boys and a husband. You know, this is the only way to get through to y'all. She's like, you think I like being mean all the time? But she's like, she's like, not, I don't know how to say it. She's like the mother that you're afraid that's going to like hit you with a flip flop or something. Like she like, there's that one moment where, um, I think even Hal, the dad, doesn't want to say what one of the boys did because he's like, because he said, he goes, he goes, do you think I like telling your mother? He goes, it's like my fault, too, and then I get in trouble, you know, but she was such a good mom because it's like, I think she does have like a really like good heart to heart moment where like, you know, a lot of people when they start out the series, they hate the mom. They hate Lois. And they go, oh, she's such a bitch, you know, blah, blah, blah. But as you watch it, you realize the boys are always getting in trouble. They're always, like, on the verge of burning down the house. Hal is a a loving, sweet husband that loves his wife more than anything. But, like, he's an idiot. Like, in the (laughs) best possible. And she has this moment where she's just like, I just have to be this way to keep y'all in line. She's like, I'm not. I'm your mother first, you know, foremost, and your friend last. She's like, I'm trying to, you know, guide the way. And there's even at some point she gets so upset because uh, she, like, her husband is, like, devoted to her. Like, devoted. Like, he is obsessed with her, loves her, love of his life. Like, relationship goals. And there's one moment where she, uh, Oh, she says something because he's, like, never forgotten anything about her life, and she forgets, and she just looks at him so sadly. She goes, because they had been arguing over who loved each other most. She goes, that would mean that you loved me more. And he said, of course. He goes, I love you more. He said, but that's the point. He goes, is I want to love you more. He's like, that's, you know, like, like, it's such a sweet moment where he's like, 
you know, because, you know, like in relationships where you're like afraid, like, oh, am I, you know, am I showing them that I care enough? And then that moment when you go, oh, God, maybe they love me more than I love them. And he's like, you know what? That's okay. He said, he said, because he said, if you love me more, that means I would be loving you less. He said, there's always going to be someone in the relationship that loves the other more. And then she was just like, they have such a good relationship. But she's also like a fierce mama. And she is working like long hours. She is paying the bills. She is like, it was very like against the the sitcom mother trope where they're just home all the time. You know, she she was like the breadwinner. Like, and Hal was more of, like, the homemaker. Oh, no, she's such a good mom. Which I do love those type of role reversals, because I think that it's important to show things like that. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree, because... It seems like my phone's cutting out slightly, so if it seems to be weird, just know... I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> you were going, like, not in and out, but you know that thing where sometimes, like, you sound really low for some reason, and then, like, normalized? It was kind of like that. Oh, okay, okay. That's why, like, earlier when you, like, paused when you were, like, when I was saying so, I was like, is she picking up what I'm putting down? <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I I just loved her as a mom. Like I love Malcolm in the Middle, and um, it used to I think be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. And I remember I would just if I had a day off, I would just leave it on all day. It was kind of like a lawless situation. <laughs> I just let it run all day. I'd go through like so many seasons, just like watching them and just knowing. I don't know. It's, I think it was just good to touch on, like, you know how there's always seems to be the parents that's, like, the bad guy because yeah. they're the more authoritative one. And so uh, I was like, it's just it, nice that it touched on it and, like, saying, hey, I'm not just a dick to be a dick. I just, she, I think she even says, she said, your father's an idiot, but, like, the best idiot. That reminds me of freaking... Did you ever watch, like, The Addams Family, where, uh, what was his name? Oh, God, I forgot what the husband's name was, but you know how, like, anything his wife said, he'd always be like, oh, that's French, and he'd, like, you know, grab her arm and start, like, kissing up it and everything. <laughs> he's, he's, like, obsessed with, like, the, the air she breathes. Yeah, like, you know... Um, Morticia Adams could do anything, and he would say thank you, like, every single time. That's how... <laughs> Go ahead. It might be like when people are like, I could spit on you, and you would say thank you. That's him. That's that, him. That honestly was him with uh, with his wife, but... That reminds me of how, like, what you were saying where she was very, like, fierce and how it was, you know, I'm your mom first and your friend after. And I do think that's a very important um, thing with, say, parenting. And obviously, I'm not a parent, so I can't talk to that. But I was, you know, raised by a mother um, and had, you know, whatever. Um, And... 
I have seen in my life people around me where their parents say their mother tried to be more of a friend than anything else. And, you know, there was like resentment from the kid because, you know, the kid didn't want a friend. They want a mom. You know, kids do crave that like structure from having mothers and I think, or, you know, parents and, I think that that's something that people, you know, I think get lost in the whole, oh, I want my kid to like me. I want to be their friend. And it's like, you're the mother. Like, that's your kid. They can be friends afterwards, but you have to be the parent first. And I've seen that, like, firsthand, you know, where it was clear that the mom was trying to be more of a friend than anything else. Like, This drives me nuts, and I don't care how I sound on air. I'm going to say it right here and there, and you can hate me if you want. I absolutely hate when the kids are not disciplined to not say this and also almost encouraged to say this, to call their parents by their first name. That is weird. My ex-husband did that to his parents. He would call them by their first names. And I thought that was so freaking weird. Like, I did not like it. Yeah. So, those are the people that I knew. And I'm not going to say stories on air. But, you know, I do know of, like, the child who wished that they had more of a mother, you know, relationship you know, instead of, oh, I'm I'm your best friend, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I appreciate, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just say, like, nobody wants the mom from Mean Girls that's, like, oh, interesting <laughs> like them. And, like, like, oh, you know, um, do you girls want a Bloody Mary or something like that? Like, non-alcoholic, of course, unless. Or, like, you know, when they're, like, doing the dance and she's dressed in the exact same outfit as them and, like, trying to do kind of, like, the dance while I'm recording. I'm like, oh, my God. That was, like, um, two two really quick stories, right? That that does, though, make me laugh. Like, obviously, we were all above the age of 21. But there, when the, like, first Sex in the City movie came out, my mom knew that, like, me, Cindy, we were fans and stuff, and she, of course, was a fan. So she she had, like, a Sex and the City viewing party where she made Cosmopolitans. Again, we were all over the age of 20. We were all over the age of 21, so. But the best was that she made them wrong and really, really strong. So my, my friend Siobhan was like, I think your mom was trying to kill us that day. <laughs> what? He's trying to get y'all drunk. I mean, come on, girl. I've not seen an episode of Sex in the City. I've seen a clip here and now, but I've never actually seen a full episode of Sex in the City. I'm sorry, okay. Tia. I tell you all the time that I'm going to force you to because there are so many life lessons there. But um, the second story really quick is that freaking um, my mom, no, my grandma tells me because, you know, my grandma was very young when she had my mom. So they're not that, like, you know, uh, far apart in age. And so apparently, like, when my mom was in her teens, she wanted, like, my grandma to wear the same things as her. And my grandma's like, I'm not going to wear the same shit that you're wearing, but you're my daughter. (laughs) Your grandma is awesome. Your mom is awesome, too. I I once 
<laughs> I want your mom's chicken parm. <laughs> hey, I I can make chicken parm now, so I can fill that chicken parm hole. <laughs> Which is funny, I already hear your mom's voice going. It's not as good as mine, though. <laughs> oh, my God. She taught me how to do it, all right? It was good. Stop it. No. <laughs> but um, I, 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 It'll be good. I, I just know that your mom is fiercely competitive when it comes to cooking. She has that with my grandma all the time. She'd be like, it's not as good. Oh, please. Now that she's, like, back from the hospital, she <laughs> freaking, like, asked my grandma. She was like, I need you to make me some chicken, but it needs to be juicy. And you need to steam <laughs> some carrots. And she's like, and I want you to grill the chicken. My grandma's like, all right, so I'll put it in the oven and roast it. And she's like, now, grill it. <laughs> Oh, grandmas. Oh, moms. But uh, I definitely uh, appreciate you putting Lois from Malcolm in the Middle on this list. Um, I'm sorry that I've never watched Malcolm in the Middle, but I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who are listening who would agree with you that Lois deserves to be on our top ten. I am... Alright, simmer down now. Um, I'm gonna get the number four. And I, I, okay, I'm putting this character because she may be a spitfire, right? Like, almost, I think, kind of, like, falls into the line of, like, Lois. Like, maybe she isn't, say, the quote-unquote kindest mom, but she's definitely, like, first of all, one of the most hilarious moms ever. And also, like, was a care. okay, I'm just gonna say it. Sophia from the Golden Girls. <laughs> I'm putting down <laughs> as number four. Because um, I know that Sophia is a spitfire and always dragging her daughter and everyone else in that house to filth. But it was also, like, the most hilarious shit on the face of the planet. Like, and she did care about her daughter, Dorothy. She did, you know, she would tell Blanche and, God, I can't remember friggin' Betty White's character's name. But she was always, like, coming out when, you know, you needed, say, like, all those, like, uh inspirational speeches like she did have those moments so to me i'm just like sophia was so great like she was so hilarious again you know that she cared about her daughter dorothy she was just like i just have to drag you a little (laughs) i gotta i gotta be this way but i love you (laughs) i just love that it turns out that the actress was actually the youngest of all of them which is hilarious. Like, they definitely, like, made her look so much older. I always also thought that it was hilarious because Sophia clearly was short as shit and Dorothy was tall as shit. And I'm like, how? Your husband must have been so tall. <laughs> but speaking of which, like, speaking of Dorothy, was it Dorothy or Blanche? No, not Blanche. Dorothy is the tall one, right? Yeah. And she was Sophia's daughter. Okay. From what I heard, like, Dorothy is, like, a drag icon. Like, drag queens say that they love her. I think like, so. I, well, she's so tall. And because, you know, like, just, like, the air she put off, like, of that, like, shadiness, snarkiness was, like, up that alley. 
Oh, yeah. B. Arthur definitely was, like, a drag icon. Well, I think that if you look at, like, all right, so you had Blanche, who was, like, you know, the sexual one. You had, um, oh, my God, what was Betty White's character's name? I forget now. But you had her, and she was, like, a bit of, like, an airhead. So very, like, falling within, say, the stereotypes of women on TV. But Dorothy was, like, snarky, didn't give a shit, like, or anything like that. So I think because of how, not only because she was tall and stuff, I think because she was very unconventional at the time. Because you have to remember, Golden Girls took place in, like, the 80s. So I think for the time, that was just not what people were used to seeing when you saw a woman on TV. I think it's because, like, she didn't, like breathe that what the like the uh mainstream femininity at the time because mm-hmm. she was much more because masculine and feminine don't have to be like bad words but she was a more masculine woman but in a good way if that makes sense while being feminine at the same time well she had very like dry humor you know so i think that was a big part of it but um Yeah, to me, in the show, like, Sophia and Dorothy were definitely my favorite characters. Like, what? (laughs) Uh, Dorothy has that one famous line where she's like, I'm going out. And they're like, to do what? She's like, either to get ice cream or commit a felony. I'll just, I'll figure it out on the way. (laughs) Oh, Oh, uh, oh, by the way, her name was Rose. Rose. And it's like, I liked Rose, but it's like, you know, the um, allure obviously was like her being so ditzy and like all of her freaking stories of her coming from her hometown of wherever, you know. I don't know if you ever really watched the Golden Girls, but like Rose like came from like a very small town in like, I don't know, Michigan or Wyoming or something. And it like. Every single time she had a story, she'd be like, in my small town, blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, oh, God, Rose, all right, we get it. Your small little town. <laughs> She's the annoying sweet character, if that makes sense. Like, yes. Blanche was a bitch, like, <laughs> like, the snobby one, while Dorothy was the one that is, like, 110% done with your bullshit. Yeah, and then Sophia is just like the great commentator. Like, like you have if you just look up the greatest comebacks of Sophia, they were just hilarious. Um, and I don't know, like to me, she was just so amusing in the show. Anytime she spoke, you just knew that you were gonna freaking laugh at something. But then she also had like really poignant moments. Like, um, to me, this always stood out because there was at some point where I was like binge watching the golden girls like i just every day like all right new episode of the golden girls and so i got to see a lot of it and while most of it is humorous they had every once in a while like episodes that really made a point and i couldn't believe sometimes that like these type of um moments say were um on tv in the 80s so there's that one point where I don't know, freaking Rose or something um, is at the doctor and there's a chance that they accidentally, like, messed up the blood work and, you know, there's a possibility that she could have gotten blood that was infected with HIV, right? And she's waiting for... 
and she's waiting for the results, and she's like, this doesn't make sense, you know, I can't get HIV, I'm a good person, and Sophia's like, it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter whether you're a good person or a bad person, you know, anyone can get it, That and like, just... You know, especially for, like, the 80s where something like that was, you know, fairly new and people still were thinking that it was a quote-unquote gay disease for, you know, to have this character. And, like, old people, too, because you always assume, like, old people are very, you know, like, conservative and closed off. So for her to sit there and say, like, doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, a woman, a man, a bad person or a good person – you know, you can get it, and it doesn't reflect at all of the person who you are, you know, and I just thought that was, like, really powerful to have an old lady say that in a show in the 80s. (laughs) No, no kidding. I mean, I think that's why, um, you know, when I I work at the antique shop, it's so interesting because I get in that mindset where I can be assumptive that perhaps someone older might have those point of views and then somebody like but okay i uh, came into work one day at the antique shop wearing like cut off sleeves like so my shoulders were showing and so my tattoo on my right arm was showing and also my other tattoo on my arm when they had only ever seen me on long arms i thought i i had one guy that was like i would never let my daughter do that the rest of little old ladies telling me how much they love my tattoos and they love the flowers and i was like Nani? Like, what? (laughs) No, I mean, you know, I think that sometimes we forget that just because they're old, like, you know, a lot of what they grew up... I feel like people who grew up, say, in the 70s or 80s, it's like they grew up right during the time where, like, America was experiencing, like, such revolutions... And for us, like, especially with, like, women revolutions and things like that, getting further into the work area, like, I could go on and on and on. There's, like, a whole thing, um, documentary that I watched one time where, like, in the 80s really kind of showed the progression of even women in, say, sitcoms. You had that one sitcom, I can't remember what it was, but it was all about a single working girl, you know, her, like, going about her life and, you know, being a career woman. It's like, what?! That would have never happened prior to that. Everything was like, oh, the doting housewife. It's like, no, and here's a sitcom about, like, just a single woman, you know? Oh, really quick, really quick. I know this has nothing to do with anything, but you know I got to get it out. I got to get my freaking Sex and the City reference out, okay? You ready for it? No, you'll ruin it. You'll ruin it. No, I'm joking. Go ahead. No, it reminds me of there's this one episode where Miranda, who's like the lawyer, right? So she makes good money and she is going to buy an apartment and, um, you know, with her own money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and she's ready for it. She's at the stage in her career where she has the money to do it. And she's there sitting with this, like, who I guess, I don't know, the broker or something, like filling out the paperwork. They're like, so, um is it you and, like, your husband? She's like, no, I'm not married. And they're like, oh, you and your boyfriend? She's like, just me. And they're like, oh, so how are you paying for it? She's like, I'm paying for it. They're like, oh, with help from your father? And she's like, 
it's just me. And they're like, well, are you going to take out a loan? She's like, no, I have the money to, like, pay for it right now. You know, they're like, like the whole thing was like, they were so confused, you know, like, well, is are you going to get a roommate? Are you planning on having? And she was like, it's just me. Like, like, Leave me alone. Like, the, the whole thing was like her just having to say, it's just me. And like, and then at the end of it, oh, because it was a woman, like this older woman. She's like, I can introduce you to my son. She's like, not interested. <laughs> like, get the fuck away, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like after like the fourth, fifth question, you think they just drop it. And it's like, no, not at all. So I don't know why that just reminded me of like, it's just me. <laughs> it's, it's just me. I feel it's, like I need that tattooed on me. Like, it's just me. It's just me. But, um, yeah, so Sophia from the Golden Girls is going to be my number four. Brittany, what is your number three? I'm torn. I'm going to give you a choice. And oh. Well, you can either have number one be what started this list in the first place, kind of, even though it's Mother's Day. Or or somebody else. I guess let's go at number one. But remember, you are getting number one. I know. That's what I'm like. Okay. Then I'm going to go for this one. I'm going to go with Olivia Benson from Law & Order SVU. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. First off. Well, let's go into, like, her actually having a child. I can't remember his name. What's his name? Noah. Noah. That's actually, I thought that was it, but I was afraid of being wrong. She has Noah, who she adopted. As we go back to, you know, mothers can be adoptive mothers, aunts, you know, non-blood, everything. Mm -hmm. She took in the child. of Wasn't the mother a drug addict that ended up being killed by somebody else? Yes. And took in that child, even though that that child could have had issues with drugs because of having been born while that being subjected to that sort of thing, she did not care. She took in this child. She fought for his adoption because she was having, didn't she have issues because she was a single woman uh, living alone? So, you know, they would have been maybe perhaps less likely to let her adopt. And whether it be desperately trying to get him back from the grandmother who even though she had adopted him the paperwork filled out she was trying to let uh the grandma have some input in his life because you know that was the biological mother's uh you know mother and to have that connection and whether it was you know noah starts acting out really badly and she tries to be calm with him but also very like try to give him that that guiding hand and just how you know she she has a rough job we've seen things happen to her whether it was uh oh lewis what was it what was this William other part of his lewis, lewis, lewis. <laughs> yeah that whole situation that whole like little shindig yeah, that that was some good stuff, right? That totally didn't traumatize her. Um, but, you know, she's still so calm with him and doesn't lose her mind on him. And, and then we lead into she has a job dealing with, you know, rape victims, people that have been sexually assaulted, uh, whether it was like, 
I think they did they touch on sex trafficking too in the oh, show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feel yeah. like I did that, but I was like, I don't want to like put my foot in my mouth for <laughs> you know murder victims. Uh, you know, all these different things. Uh, I think they touch on hate crimes every now and then too, don't they? It's not always just like SVU type things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like just how much they went into it and her always being so she's very motherly to the victims i would say like you see many times that she's convincing these young women men you know regular age women men to try to get justice and to be if the strength to you know go after their uh i'm trying i'm losing the word assaulter there, uh, there's the victim and the wh- whoever did those things. Too. I was trying to find the word for it. I lost it. Um, their aggressor, like trying to go after their aggressor and to put them behind bars so it doesn't happen again. I just think that she's a motherly figure in all ways because I think sometimes it's easy to go. Someone motherly is someone very uh, feminine and soft and fragile, you know, the very homemaker type. And Olivia is like, she she's the woman. She is like the boss. Not, like, not only is she a boss in life, but she's like the boss. She is the, she's the, what is she? She's the chief? Yeah, she, I think, yeah. At, no, at this point, she's the captain, which is like. The captain like, one of the highest uh, levels at this point. Like, the only person who's who was a captain was Captain Cragen, you know, in, like, the first ten years of SVU. And she's now at that level. And it's just amazing to see her be all these things and more, which I still miss, uh, oh, Raphael. Oh, I know, I know. But um, I'm so happy that you put Olivia Benson. I did not even think about this, and I'm kicking myself. But, no, she is a, like, she, first of all, has this, like, motherly presence to her always because she has always been the, um, say, like, more nurturing person when speaking to victims. She always... Uh, puts herself in their shoes and really just is there to be a very, not only just an understanding um, person, but also someone that you know she's going to fight like hell to try and find whoever hurt you. And not only Noah, because we'll talk about that, but if in one of the seasons, I forget which one, if it's like 12 or 11, but she did have another, like, quote-unquote, adopted son for a little bit. She was a legal guardian for this one kid for a while. Um, but then, unfortunately, the biological mother, who was, like, a drug addict, alcoholic, came and pretty much forced the court's hands to give him back, even though the kid didn't want to leave Olivia because he was a little older. He wasn't like Noah's age. He was maybe like 10, 11. So we already saw that she had it in her to be a loving and dedicated mother. And I think that with Noah, I think that's why she fought even harder with Noah 
because she had already had a kid ripped out of her arms and she wasn't going to let that happen again. I mean, she instantly like wanted Noah. And as you said, there were problems at first with the, with the courts, you know, her being a single mother and having the job that she did, there was some doubt that she would be able to be there for her child. Um, and then, you know, with the grandmother, oh my God, I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, you literally kidnapped Noah, but yeah, you can't do that. One of my favorite, like mama bear episodes of Elizia, uh, Olivia Benson is the episode where, like, so this is the thing, you know, SVU is just special victims. It doesn't always just mean, like, say, like, sexual assault, because there was one where they were dealing with um, anti-vaxxers, you know, our favorite subject, Brittany. And oh, yeah, favorite. Back <laughs> there, <there's> your kids. <laughs> there's this one episode where there's these, you know, obviously these rich mothers um, are, ref- like, refuse to vaccinate their kids. And now all of them are getting measles, you know, and shit. And um, because, like, because Olivia had brought Noah to the same pediatrician that one of these rich bitches took their kid to see the pediatrician, her son um, was exposed because I think maybe he was, like, too young to get the vaccines, or I think he had gotten the vaccines, but because he was a baby anyway, like, he was exposed, and he was hospitalized, and it's like, you almost sat there for a second, and you were like, are they are they going to kill off this kid? Um, and, and, and Olivia was so pissed, like, she was, you know, like, yelling at this woman, like, because of your freaking stupid antics you know my son is in the hospital struggling just to breathe you know and during that time it was like not only was the kid in the hospital but because olivia was still dealing with her job she couldn't be at the hospital 24 7 so then she and that was at the time where they were looking to like you know approve her paperwork so the child protective system was like well why aren't you here 24 7 so olivia was dealing with a fucking lot at that moment (laughs) Lot, lot. <laughs> um, but that yeah no Olivia Benson is definitely a fantastic mother figure with Noah like she didn't need to take this baby she didn't need to do that but she saw that this baby if she could help just like one victim of all of this crap then she was going to do it and I think too she felt like she owed it to to his mother too well, yeah, because she was helping the the parent, and she had gotten her clean, and she had gotten her to agree to testify against this, you know, big figure in the drug trafficking world. And unfortunately, because she was going to willingly testify, she was killed for it so that he, you know, couldn't, like, you know, so that he could get rid of, away with what he was doing. Get rid of a victim. I mean, a witness. Yeah, exactly. So, um, there was a bit of that. I just, no, this is so great. I'm like, I can't get over it. I'm sitting there like, oh, god damn it, Brittany. I'm so mad that I didn't think of this. <laughs> it's okay. We can't all be as great and awesome as me all the time. I'm sorry to you. All right, you need to chill out now. Like, take it back a second. <laughs> 
you getting too bold as you <laughs> would say. You're getting too bold here. But um I love it. Olivia Benson is a fantastic option um for the number three. I'm going to get the number two. Um I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't know who I want to pick, honestly, because I'm just like shit. Um I had a moment where I was like, uh, I'll tell you later who, like, my honorable mention was going to be, but my number two is going to be um, Janet uh, Dan Dan Vine. I don't know how to pronounce that. What is wrong with me? I can't talk today. But um, Hope's mother from Ant-Man. Oh, oh, that is a good one. Yeah. So... You know, obviously in Ant-Man 1, Hope is, like, Hope's been told by her father that her mother died in, like, what a car accident. And finally, um, Hank comes out and says the truth that his mother um, freaking, you know, pretty much went, like, what, subsonic or some crap like that, you know, and she's just pretty much, like, living in the quantum realm because she went so small. Um, and then you find out in the second one, like, they bring her back. And I don't know, like, it's clear from, like, say, the way Hope spoke about her, the flashbacks that we get of Janet. Like, Janet was the, I feel like, one of the definitions of she was a loving mother, a loving wife, but she also, like, had that sense of responsibility because, when her and Hank were trying to take down that nuclear bomb and Hank's like thing didn't work to go smaller. She didn't even think like she didn't even like hesitate. She instantly was like, I'm going to do this. And like, to me that was like, you know, mothers have this sense of like selflessness. And I feel like that was, like, a true testament to her being selfless. And, of course, she knew that by doing that, that would cost her time with her daughter. But I think that she knew that Hank was going to be a good enough father to take care of Hope. And then, of course, she sat there and, you know, she was a genius as well, which I love when it's, like, the wife is also, like, a genius. And so she obviously helped them figure out the whole quantum realm thing in Ant-Man and the Wasp, which obviously helps Scott then in Endgame. And I I just love, like, her, you know, like, being a badass warrior in the quantum realm. Like, I want to know what happened in between those 30 years. Um, But then being reunited with Hank, you know, coming back to her daughter, Hope, and then even offering to help Ghost and what, you know, ailed her. I just think that Janet, like, I want to see more of Janet and Hope interact now that they do have time above the surface to be with each other. Can we also talk about uh, her, like, talking through uh, Ant-Man? Oh, my God, that was hilarious. And, like, like, hang, like, looking at Ant-Man so lovingly, like, like, you... (laughs) It was so weird. 
I love that, though, because at first you're like, what's wrong with Scott? And then it's like, no, it's Janet talking through Scott. And he, she, she's like, I'm so sorry, honey. I don't have a lot of time, but love you. And it's like, <laughs> she, like touches his cheek, yes. like, lovingly. And it's like, and he just fully accepts it. Can we talk about how he fully accepts it? He loved his wife that much that even coming from Scott, who he acts like 100% done with, like 90% of the time, he's like, yeah, touch you lovingly with my wife's, uh, like, mind or soul or whatever. And, you know. <laughs> and I know that, like, I know that we didn't see a lot of Janet, like, on screen so it's kind of weird to like put her in this spot but I just think from what we know of her with the um, flashbacks and what they've said of Janet and then the little that we did see I think that you could already tell that she was a very loving mother who is obviously insanely proud of like the daughter and and who Hope grew up to be you know and I think there's gonna be some part of Janet that was like, when she finds out how much of a dick Hank was, it like <laughs> she's it, gonna be mad. Oh yeah, she's gonna be pissed off. She'll be like, I like sacrificed myself trusting you to take care of our daughter, and you basically made her run into the arms of Darren Cross, who you also <laughs> made a villain because you were such an asshole because you were upset over my death. No. <laughs> that is true. She's definitely going to be, like, 100% done with Hank. Like, <laughs> after the funeral and Endgame, she probably just looked at Hank and she was like, you asshole. <laughs> she was like, this doesn't change anything. You're still in the doghouse. And he's like, <laughs> and at this point, he's just happy. He's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> he, wait, that's just right. Hank is a sub. <laughs> Uh, a sub or a simp? A sub. He's a sub. I love it. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely a sub. She's probably, she she wearing all the pants in the house. Isn't that um Michelle Pfeiffer? She was Catwoman. She still got that in her closet. <laughs> oh, my God, right, right. But, um, yeah, I love uh, Janet Van Dyme. I hope that in the third Ant-Man we got to see more of her just because I think that that would be an interesting relationship to explore and also is now Hope technically a mom as well to Scott's daughter oh I didn't think about that which by the way can we touch on that we didn't see uh, Scott's ex-wife and her husband again did we we didn't see them again in End game, but they definitely, you know, showed back up in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that Scott learned to accept that his ex-wife has moved on and that the new husband isn't so bad. And I think that the new husband realized that Scott isn't, you know, a piece of shit, that he, you know, is actually a freaking superhero. Because we saw, like, in Ant-Man the Wasp, like, he was, like, super concerned for Scott and, like, hugged him when, you know, Scott's two-year... Um, whatchamacallit, it, like, house arrest was lifted and shit. So I think, like, it's a more copacetic relationship. Well, what I was wondering is, I was like, did his daughter have to be all completely alone all those years? Oh, I think that, oh, wow. Yeah, 
I think so. Oh, wow. Do you know how much that had to have sucked for her? It's like she presumed that her dad was gone, her mother's gone, and then her stepdad is gone. And it's like, wow, that is really messed up. I didn't even think about that. She was such a little kid. I know. And when he sees her and she's an adult, it made me kind of want to cry because, you know, those You lost out on those years. Because my dad all the time is always like, I wish you were little again. I wish you were like, well, like little, you know, when we go fishing and hunting. And I'm like, but he's like, those years pass so fast. And, and like, he went from having to worry about, like, her having a crush on a guy at school to, oh, to, like, she's actually dating now age. He's probably just, uh, he's, uh, he's probably going nuts now, uh, at your current stage. Um, I know I would be if I was your dad. <laughs> oh, whatever. Uh, you, you may be my, uh, father, but you ain't my daddy or something. I'm going back to, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, too. Yeah. I was saying to Polly that when Father's Day comes, obviously we'll do a, you know, best fathers in, you know, TV and movies. And I was like, oh, Yondu. And Polly was like, well, Yondu did, like, you know, <laughs> do this, this, and that. And I'm like, yeah, but he did it because he loved Peter. <laughs> I was on the best dads. <laughs> and the quote was uh, he may have been your father boy but he wasn't your daddy <laughs> Yondu bring Yondu back bring Yondu back <laughs> um, so Brittany we are down to the number one spot and as always I will go through the list of our top ten best moms in TV and movies and we have Linda Belcher, Roseanne, Aunt May, Lee Ann from The Blind Side, Joyce Byers, Lois from Malcolm in the Middle, Sophia from Golden Girls, Olivia Benson, Janet Van Dyme, and Brittany, it is your turn for the number one. What do you got for us? I feel like there should be like a drum roll. Like we need to like... <laughs> <laughs> Because from the door. I, really quick before you go any further, I messaged Brittany and I was like, does your pick start with an F? Because I was going to put Friga as the number two. And when you said yes, that's when I was like, okay, I don't know who else to put. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I took it. This is still just revenge for last time when you outed me. Whatever. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> this is the second week in a row, I think, that Friga has popped up on our list. Yes. Like, she is the reason why, like, when Tia was like, oh, you want to do Mother's Day? I was like, yes, 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 yes. Because I think she's such a great mom. Not only is she, like, okay, one, she's Odin's wife, which has to be, like, a shit ton of responsibility. And also, Odin turned out to not be the best person which i have to wonder if she knew about hella or was that like a first wife type situation with somebody else i don't know because i think if in mythology odin has had a shit ton of wives it's not like zeus who's had like one wife that you see a lot and him just like i don't know turning into a swan to sleep with people 
But um, I was going to say, Zeus definitely wasn't faithful to his wife. Yeah, he definitely wasn't faithful, and he was also rapey, which nobody else really touches on. But besides that, Odin is kind of a handful, you know, between a war with the Frost Giants and, oh, I don't know, taking in the, the like, basically the Prince of Jotunheim. And Jotunheim. Jotun, is it Jotun or Jotun? Jotun. Jotunheim. Well, you know, it's like she took Loki under her wing while he was, like, the odd one out. And even a runt by uh, by Asgardian standards, because, you know, we see him. He's smaller and skinnier than most of them there. And to see, uh, like, okay, that reveal when you saw him go blue, was that not the craziest shit you oh. ever seen? That was so good. I freaked the fuck out the first time I saw Thor. I was like, ah! <laughs> Note to everyone, Tia has a thing for blue men. Like, it's kind of becoming a problem now. It's a little bit of a problem. Loki, <laughs> Ronin, Yondu, Drax. <laughs> Shit, I was just thinking, too. I didn't realize there was four. Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tia! <laughs> but, go ahead. But, but what's nice is that, you know, Loki, she taught him her magic. When he wasn't fitting in and weaker than the rest of them, she took him in and taught him her magic, her illusions. You know, and for her to not care that she had not physically given birth to him. This goes back to the adoptive mother stuff. But that she could take in a child of the, you know, quote-unquote enemy and show them how to thrive in their society and make him feel at home, which we definitely see why he's such a mommy's boy and not, you know, really overly attached to Odin, who, you know, giving that over to Thor and kind of ignoring Loki in the realm of succession, you know, it was kind of crazy. Which, by the way, it makes me wonder, I think, is Loki older or not? Because I felt like there was a weird thing that, like, you know, with him giving it to Thor, you would normally go, oh, give it to the eldest. But I thought there was some issue that it was almost like they were skipping Loki in favor of this. So I'm just curious there. But um, but I don't know. Like, whether or not, you know, visiting uh, Loki in the dungeon. Like, even, I think she went in secrecy, did she not? Like, Yeah, um, because... Um, really quick, because I went through, like, this rewatch recently. Um, in the second Thor, when Odin is punishing Loki, he says to Loki, you know, Frigga is the only reason why you're still alive, and you'll never see her again. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Depressed. Um... But yeah, I I 100% agree with your pick um, of Frigga. I think that 100% she is probably the best mom in the MCU. I can't think of anyone else. Just because I feel like they always kill the moms. Like, I could think of a thousand different dads to pick, but there's, like, no mothers at all. Um, But freaking like i as i said i went back and did like a rewatch right and frigga was always the calm um voice of reason in the first thor when she you know when 
Thor is exiled and Odin is in his Odin sleep and Loki briefly has control of um, Asgard, you know, she says, look, first of all, Loki's like, you know, you knew, you know, why didn't you ever tell me? And she's like, you know, Odin never wanted you to feel different. You're our son. We love you. And then she still was like, you know, you have to bring Thor back. You have to, you know, undo what Odin did, you know, because Thor was banished. And then in the second one, we saw not only First of all, so in the second one, I think maybe we said this in the first uh, or last week's show, but when Thor brings Jane to Asgard, Odin is so, like, he even says, like, you wouldn't bring a goat to a banquet dinner. Like, even, like, pretty much called, what? I didn't remember that. Holy shit. Yeah, like, pretty much, like, calls, like, Jane trash. Like, Thor's like, she's sick, she needs help. And he's like, and Odin's like, they have healers on Earth. They're called doctors. Bring her back. Um, But Frigga doesn't act that way with Jane. She treats her very much, you know, like, okay, this is the woman that my son loves. And, you know, looks, I mean, Frigga loses her life trying to protect, um, uh, to to protect Jane, and then in Endgame, of course, that I feel like that talk with Frigga is what invigorated Thor to continue on and to actually fight. So Frigga definitely is probably like the best mother in the MCU. So warm and just accepting, and I f- wish that we had more time with her because I feel like I appreciate her more now, and. I want to say in Norse mythology, Frigga is actually the adopted mother of Thor um, because Odin had several wives. But I think in Marvel world, she's Thor's biological mother. But I don't think that she ever treated Thor and Loki different at all. Um, And as far as your question, I think that it's always supposed to be that they're around the same age because... If you go back and watch the first Thor, Odin is uh, walking with both of them as children and says that they both have equal right to the throne. But then obviously we see Thor is there and Loki, you know, when he discovers that he is actually a frost giant, says to Odin, you know, as much as you claim to say that we both had the rightful, you know, we had the rightful blah, 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 um, you know, you would have never put a frost giant on the throne. And Odin's like, nope. Nope, no. never plans of it. Well, what an asshole. Worst dad ever. Odin definitely is even more of an asshole in the second one. Because, again, when he's when Loki's being sentenced and freaking Odin is like, you know, how could you try to, um, you know conquered the earth you know what do you think you're you know some sort of like oh this is because loki oh he go okay this is what it is he goes oh all because loki wanted a throne and loki's like it is my birthright and odin literally goes your birthright was to die he was like that was your birthright he was like and if it weren't for me you wouldn't be alive to hate me 
he was like, so you're going to get punished, and Frigga's the only reason why you're alive, and you're never going to see her again. Well, that dead. Right? <laughs> Anybody out there, just, if you ever have, like, a tiny spat with your dad, I'm not talking about actual bad dads, but a tiny spat with your dad, and you go, I have the worst dad ever. Just remember Odin. Just remember Odin. Odin. You know what, though? Odin was a bad dad, right? He had, like, a small moment of redemption in Thor Ragnarok. But I will tell you, Ashley, who was a worse dad than Odin. Oh, I think I know who you're going to say. Tell me. Did you think I was going to say that Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Uh Did you hear that? Yeah, I said, yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. that's to be. Yeah, Ego definitely, I think, was the worst dad. But him and Odin are, like, neck and neck. Right. <laughs> I like to kill all of his children in succession and trying to, like, get their power or, like, feed himself. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would rather cancer. You know who or- also, you know who also is a terrible dad? Who? Thanos. No, he's all right. No, he's <laughs> all right. Awful dad. Totally awful. I mean, he did throw his daughter off of a cliff, but at least he cried about it. Who would have oh, thought he would cry? I wish that Happy and Aunt May got together, because then we could say that Happy is, like, the best dad ever. He's a dad any. <gasps> we should have put Tony. Tony, if we did a, when we do a freaking list, Tony obviously is going to be, like, there. I could have been best mother, too. He mothered everybody. He's mothering Pat. (laughs) He's mothering Peter. He's mothering everybody up in here. I guess Pepper would be considered, like, a mom. (laughs) Not considered, she is a mom. I don't know why I say that, but it's like, I just don't, I don't know. It's like, whatever, Pepper, okay, she's just there. But, you know, she's a mom now, so, you know, happy Mother's Day to her. When it's Paltrow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm trying to think. Okay, so did you have any honorable mentions on our list? Um, I'm trying to sit back and think, but I'm having trouble. A lot of the ones when I was trying to get ideas and go back through were, like, ditzy mothers or, like, oh, wait, you know who could be my honorable mention? Who? Um, I can't remember his name. The one that is a teenage boy that mothers all the other children in Stranger Things. Oh, oh, my God. Um... Steve. I know Nate Steve as well. I'm okay with this. Um, for my honorary, honorary mother, exactly. Um, I had Morticia Adams and Lily Munster. I don't know if you ever watched the Munsters, but it essentially was also another version of Adams Family. But I actually like the Munsters better than I like the Adams Family. I- a little bit of the monsters, but I was so confused because, you know, when you're a child and you have no way of, like, differentiating that, oh, it's not the Adams family, and you think yeah. it's the universe, and you're just waiting for them to all meet. Yeah. <laughs> I just, 
I remember a few years ago, because The Munsters at least was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I put it on, and I'm like, it's still funny. Like, I'm still laughing at this, even though it's like what was made in the 40s, the 50s. It's in black and white. I I still enjoyed it. So I put, uh, like, Morticia Adams and Lily Munster, and I also put Donna Clark as an honorable mention as well, just because I always have to get in my halt and catch fire in every single list. Really quick on Monsters, isn't that the one where the one regular human girl feels like she's so hideous? (laughs) Yeah. She's all ugly. On a different note, that gives me Emma vibes. That gives me Emma vibes so bad. (laughs) They would be like, you know... She's just so poor and unfortunate, but we love her. I think there was, like, one episode where she started dating, and they were like, wow, she got someone? Good for her. You know, or they, like, got offended. She's, like, beautiful. Like, she's so pretty, and they're like, oh, God, she's so hideous. She's so unfortunate. Or, like, there was one episode where, like, they thought that, someone was like insulting her and they're like just because she's ugly doesn't mean you know or something like that you know Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah the, she was the uh the um the black sheep of the family i guess even though she was probably the most normal looking one out of them all but i guess in that family she's the abnormal one jesus christ and jesus got nothing to do with that um but yeah uh oh god i just i wanted to make a joke for a second i'm like i guess we could say mary is the best mother of all oh my gosh (laughs) tia get your out of here (laughs) i just teased i teased that's so funny you know okay baptist (laughs) like okay boomer okay baptist (laughs) okay oh my god would you mind random neat fact on the on the subject of the Virgin Mary? You know how like nowadays, uh, boy means blue and girl mean I mean pink means girl, like on uh, gender reveals. Uh, yes. Even though it was and, the uh, opposite very long time ago. Yeah. Well, I didn't know why blue was supposed to represent femininity and you know like the female gender, but apparently it goes back to you know and with the Virgin Mary, everything always uh, portrays her with like a blue dress. Yes, that's why. Apparently, that's why. I don't know if that's hundred percent accurate. At least that's what I was reading. Is that that's why blue represents female because the Virgin Mary wore blue. Well, I had heard that it was because blue is a much softer color. Like, if you look at blue versus pink, pink is, like, a much brighter and vibrant color, where blue is a more subdued color. So uh, pink was considered a male color because of how, like, bold and, like, bright it was to symbolize, I guess, you know, the bold, like, uh, masculinity. Fuck masculine. And I'm sure, yeah, I was going to say that. I don't know why. I tease. No, it's okay, because this is all about mothers, so we don't care about dads right now. No, I know I'm going to get someone like single dads, and I'm like, that's Father's Day. We're talking about mothers. Mothers and mother figures. Um, but anyway, before, like, people start yelling at me, I'm I'm kidding, all right? Like, thank you so much, 
all of the mothers, again, out there who took part in raising, uh, whether you were, again, like biological, adopted, motherly figure, aunt, legal guardian, even like step parents, all right? I know a lot of people out there where their step parent is considered more of a parent than their biological parent. So, you know, if you are a stepmother and you you know, literally got into a relationship where, you know, the man has kids and you took those kids upon your own to love them, like, you too, like, 100% thank you out there. Um, Brittany, before we hop off, of course, I want to give you a moment to promote yourself and let everyone know what we can expect and where we can find you. You can always find me at twitch.tv slash Brit. That is where you can find me streaming about anything. Right now I've been playing Star Wars The Fallen Order, which is, uh, I have died more to accidentally dropping off of a starship or dropping off of a uh, train. And uh, But besides that, we're doing pretty good. It's a pretty cool game. Uh, you get to block lasers and bounce them back at people. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a badass, but, you know, that's been pretty fun. I've also been making Perler bead art. I made some keychains last night of Charmander and Squirtle, and sometimes I like to make those on stream. But besides that, you can find me at Twitter at ItdyBittyBrit0, and that way you can see when if I'm having schedule conflicts or just anything kind of nerd-related. When I start cosplaying again, I'll be posting images there. But And I also run a lot of polls there because... Uh, I am very indecisive about what games I want to play, so I I definitely pull from my poll results to figure out what I'll be doing for the next little bit. So yeah, that's where you can find me. I was going to say, if, you know, the country ever opens up again, will you be able to cosplay? (laughs) Um, Just because... as I, I don't know if I mentioned on this, but New York extended the stay-at-home ban until June 6th, which, you know... I'm actually not complaining about, but um, it is so, like working from home. <laughs> although I, uh, what was it? We were just talking about New York Comic Con yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, we're getting close there." You know, th- what? Uh, two months ago, that was like, "Oh, everything will be fine by October." Now it's like, "Is it going to be though?" Um, but it's really cool, San Diego Comic Con. What'd you say? Uh, say if I can't go, no one can go. Hey, they may have to cancel your brother's wedding. Sits here actually hoping it happens. No, joking. 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 Oh. I'm just being selfish and just want you to come to New York Comic Con. That's it. All right. Just joking, guys. All right. Chill out. Um, but I was going to say uh, San Diego Comic Con is actually doing something really cool. They're going to do a virtual convention because they actually can canceled their convention because it was supposed to be happening pretty much next month that's like way too soon and they're doing a virtual one which is awesome um so we'll have more news about that us at geek fives nation will certainly cover everything that we can um hopefully we'll be getting some really big news and it'll kind of feel like it would if actual san diego comic-con was happening so uh please stay tuned to that you of course can follow geek fives nation on twitter instagram facebook youtube all geek vibes nation so make sure you check that out 
As for me, you can, of course, check me out on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube, uh, Tia Fabi. I'm trying to keep up with the tea time with Tia, but there's not always a whole lot, but still check it out. Um, recently, I watched the new episode of Defending Jacob, so you can see my review there. And later on today, I'll be watching the new episode of Penny Dreadful City of Angels and the new episode of Billions. So I should be having the reviews for that coming in soon. Happy Mother's Day again to everyone out there. And thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Brittany, thank you as always. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Thank you and have a great Mother's Day. Bye. Bye.